listening to the Punchless Podcast, a show dedicated to the custom home building and remodeling industry. My name is Ian MacDonald. I'm a mortgage loan originator specializing in custom home financing and remodeling financing. With me is Matt Birdwell, division president of a local custom home builder, and Jen O'Neill, operating partner who basically protects you from the most annoying thing in the world, mosquitoes. Welcome back to the Punchless Podcast. I'm Ian with Jen and Matt. And today we're joined by Brian Register. Brian is a Jacksonville native who's worked within the insurance space for the last 15 plus years. Brian is also a proud father of Hamp, Wade, Catherine, and Rosie. Brian was recently a panel guest on the Custom Builder and Remodeler Council's Brew Chat, where we talked about construction law, we talked about warranty, and we talked about insurance. So, Brian, welcome to the podcast. Tell us, how do you fit into the custom building and remodeling space? Thank you for having me. Well, we work primarily within the insurance arena from a general liability, workers' comp, builder's risk, and automobile standpoint, working to ensure that each contractor is properly covered against any litigation or damages that are, that are impending on any of the jobs that they're working on. Gotcha. So, what is the most active space within the construction arena right now. Earlier, before we came on, you mentioned about you know anything from builder's risk to liability to post-completion warranty issues might come up. What's the most active space within the construction arena right now? I would say the most active space right now is in the construction defect side of, of the industry. It's become, become a hot button. Um, it, it affects everything from the general liability carriers for the builders themselves, as well as the trades, the litigation, and that is is or as a result thereof, the construction defect is taken off. You know, where do we spend the most time talking with builders and and working with them? It's it's in how to protect them in that space from the the predatory type scenarios as well as the legitimate claim scenarios that are out there. Hey Brian, talk a little bit about the construction defects. I, f- I feel like it's always kind of been a hot button. But maybe back when the building down in, was it Surfside, Florida, when that building collapsed, it seems like there's been a lot of attention kind of coming up with the construction defects, the timelines. Tell us a little bit more about that. What we see in the in the residential side of, of construction is the stucco scenario where you're looking at lawsuits that are filed against the builder for a construction defect as it pertains to the inefficiency or the ineffectiveness of the stucco on the building, which generates a 558 notice to the builder. And then subsequently there, they've, they're forced to defend that. You know, what we're seeing is in pockets, seeing in pockets of neighborhoods, a builder builds, you know, 30, 40 homes in a neighborhood. They're built with stucco exterior. And most of these homes, might I add, are, were built five, six, seven, eight, nine, and up to the statute of limitations of 10 years. And the reality of stucco is that it, it it's requires- going to crack. It's going to crack <laughs> and it requires maintenance. What we're seeing and have been seeing for the last five years specifically is that these engineering firms or, or pseudo law firms, it's, it's illegal to advertise on the legal side, which I won't get into, but they are basically going door to door and, and, you know, meeting with these homeowners and explaining you have some cracks and to simplify it, basically saying you have cracks, we can get you money. They sign on. And now we've, now we've got a, a, a limited class action lawsuit. Kind of uh, like the billboards, right? 
get in a car wreck, we'll fight. Right. Right. Yeah. Got stucco. We're coming after you. Yeah. And most of the of the production residential builders that, that we talk with, either the stucco that they are doing today is limited or they've moved to more of a of a cementous siding exterior uh, on these homes to prevent and try and hedge their bets against the litigation and construction defect. Going back to it, you must maintain your home, painting it, paying attention to it, similar to a vehicle in that if you don't service a vehicle, something's going to happen. If you don't service a house, which is a living, breathing, you know, product, then, you know, at which point you're going to have issues. That doesn't mean it's the builder's fault. And maybe you can speak to this and we're kind of getting into the legal side a little bit, but the statute of repose versus the statute of limitations, right? There's different timelines. Same thing. Same thing. 10 years. Okay. 10 years. So the there was some legislation that, that was going through the, the legislature, which did not pass, trying to, to amend that 10-year time period to a seven-year time period, which, you know, personally, professionally, I'm in favor of. You know, what other item can you buy that is quote unquote warrantied for 10 years. And you look at, you look at a home, you look at all the components of a home. And again, it's moving, it's living, it's breathing. It's sitting out in the elements. I mean, especially in Florida, you talk about all those things. Absolutely. I mean, and, and so having the builder quote unquote on the hook for 10 years is really, in my opinion, a, a lot, it's too much. And reasonably seven years is a, is a lot as well. But you know, a little more palpable than, than the 10 year time period. So when you were at Auburn, right? Auburn university. There we go. Were you feeling like, man, I want to go into insurance later or? No, no, absolutely not. I was born into an insurance family. I'll give you a brief background. My, my father's an insurance agent. My, my mother is in the insurance industry, uncles, grandfather, et cetera, et cetera. And I can remember saying, I, I don't know how you do this. How, why? And um, as I worked through my college career, I, I realized it was a little more interesting than than I had previously thought, and and dove into the insurance industry right out of college. Um, well, I great. mean, just all the stuff that you were telling us that you guys handle. You know, you're president of Insure America. You've worked there for over 15 years. Is that where you started your insurance career? No, or? I started my insurance career with State Farm Insurance, which is where my family is is rooted, and then. Um, Brief, had a brief stint there, and then from there went to Insure America. So it's it, it's been a great uh, great time. Learned a lot. Is there still family competition? Yeah, there's always family competition. <laughs> Thanksgiving's always fun. Yeah, you know, every now and then. But it's good. It's good fun. Well, I was going to ask you a question. So talk about all the different avenues or different areas that you cover within insurance. Our show is geared towards the custom building and remodeling space, which a lot of those folks are smaller entities. They're not the national right. builders. They're more a much smaller shop. Okay. What would you say is kind of the, of all the list of insurance and what do you think is most important? What's the first thing that a custom builder remodeler or small contractor needs to do on their checklist? Say, I need to check this off. First and foremost is pick a good insurance agent. What I mean by that is, is someone who's educated within the, the construction field. All too often we find that there are limitations and endorsements and exclusions within policies that, that limit the coverage afforded to the builder. So that's, that you start there. You know, the general liability insurance is exceptionally important, coupled with having a good attorney that will work with them to draft 
a proper trade contractor agreement, which will then protect them as well as, as well as protect the trade. But in, in, in saying that, we get that question a lot. How does it protect the trade? And reasonably, what that does is it's checks and balances on the trade's insurance that they're not in a similar scenario where they may have an insurance policy that has an exclusion or an endorsement pertaining to the work that they're doing on the general's behalf. And so, you know, it, it allows everybody to kind of take a take a close look there at, at who's protecting who and why are we protecting the, this project when it all comes down to it. And I tell every client, you need a good insurance agent, you need a good CPA, and you need a good attorney. Once you kind of work from there, you know, there are, there are many facets of protecting yourself insurance-wise from builder's risk and worker's comp. All of those are important. But to answer your question, most importantly is the proper general liability policy coupled with a proper trade contractor agreement that begins the insulation process. So I've heard you correctly. It's while there's you mentioned the insurance types, really surround yourself with a team of experts that allow them to be the experts in construction. 100%. Get the experts in place and then the rest will uh, give you good advice on that. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you we all deal with things that, that we are unfamiliar with and, you know, find folks that you trust. You know, I have no clue how to go out and actually build a house. However, I have a pretty good idea as to how to protect the guy who's building that house. So- Brian, I'm assuming in the past two years, you guys have been pretty busy with your affiliations to the construction industry. We've revamped some of our vendor contracts, right? So our trade partner agreements, insurance requirements, and it's something that we're, you know, we're looking at keeping, you know, protecting us as best as much as possible with general liability insurance, the workers comp, the automobile insurance. These are things that all of our vendors, all of our subs to work on our job site have to give us. Every project, we have to get builder's risk insurance for that project. Ian's company likes to send us a little notice and and say, hey, provide that builder's risk policy before your first draw. So a question for you, we have a lot of our customers, when they find out that we provide that on every project, they always say, do I need to also have an insurance policy during the construction? What would you say to that? All depends on the type of project. So if you're looking at that in, at a project that, that's on, quote unquote, on your lot, so the, the homeowner owns that lot, I recommend that they, at minimum, have a owner and contractor's protective policy, a liability policy on that lot, because when they're building there, there may or may not be an extension of coverage from a pro, another home that they own or something along those lines. But the liability piece is a big exposure for that homeowner. You know, everyone knows the people that, that like to, you know, journey through homes under construction. Can't say I've never done that, but that's an exposure to not only the builder, but also to the, to the, the property potential owner. Pro- yeah. property owner and, yeah. and homeowner at that point. So to follow up on that, People ask that question and you say, check with, you have an umbrella policy. Is that what you're referring to? An extension of their current policy to that property no. or, or not? Is that the right terminology? Not the right terminology. Right. An owner's and contractor's protective policy is not an umbrella policy. Keeping in mind that an umbrella policy does just that. It sits over top, just as an umbrella sits over you in the rainstorm. The liability umbrella is going to sit over top as an excess coverage to all of the underlying coverages during said rainstorm. So in the event that you're you're in a situation where the damages and liability limits of your underlying policies are not adequate, and at which point it would then trickle up into the umbrella. Kind of like um, an overflow. Correct, kind of like an overflow. But 
the proper terminology is an owners and contractors protective liability policy, also known as an OCP. You know, now there are scenarios where someone may own a home and the homeowner's insurance on that home, the liability there may extend to that lot. That that can happen. There's there's that uh, potential there. A lot of different ways to skin that cat. I personally think the most fail safe is is the owners and contractors protective policy. We always kind of direct them back to their insurance agent to ask for that advice. So that's good to hear. Going back to the the trade partner agreements for a second. One thing that we get a little bit of pushback on that. We're a small custom home builder, and we have a lot of small contractors, right? A lot of mom and pop trades. The commercial automobile policies. They always give us pushback and say it's really hard to get. This is, you know, we have one vehicle, we have two vehicles, and we're asking for a commercial policy, not just a, a typical policy. Is it as hard as it sounds to, to get a commercial automobile policy? It is not inexpensive in today's market. However, there's, an, again, there's always multiple ways to skin a cat. And there is the ability in some circumstances where there can be an extension from their general liability policy and endorsement of hired and non-owned auto liability. And the hired and non-owned auto liability is just that. It's it's an excess coverage for vehicles that are used in the course of business that are either hired or the business doesn't own. I.e., if if the trade contractor, owner of, of said trade, is driving a truck that he owns in his personal name, it's not owned by the corporation. And he were to get into an accident, you know, unfortunately, you know, something fairly sizable. And at which point it was deemed that he was on a mission for the company or something along those lines that were in the scope of business, then his personal policy would respond. And then the hired and non-owned auto coverage would come in as excess coverage there would potentially meet your requirement. Not, and I say potentially because we haven't reviewed your, your trade agreement. However, that is a, another way to skin that cat that is oftentimes less expensive, but getting a commercial auto policy in the construction arena is difficult as relative, difficult okay. is um, synonymous with expensive. Right. So obviously you are a wealth of knowledge. I think everybody can probably hear that in just how much you know about every little aspect of insurance. I would assume that your space changes. Okay. (laughs) Hey, let me me give you the kudos, right? Yep. I mean, it sounds good for sure. But obviously I would assume your arena of insurance changes daily. Something's coming up. How do you stay on top of all this information? I mean, we just were talking about making sure you have a field of experts around you. So you are the expert for all of these custom home builders and these remodelers. How do you and your team stay up to date on all this information? And then second part, how do you relay that information to your clients as I'm sure it's changing some of their decisions that they're making from a business perspective? It is. It's it's constantly changing. And you know, we're very fortunate in Florida to have the Florida Association of Insurance Agents, which is a, a phenomenal organization that puts out a ton of data. You know, as you can imagine, the the email blasts of, of daily are extensive. And so there, you know, there is a lot of study. There's a lot of a lot of keeping up with with the requirements, the changes within the industry, and the carriers do a nice job of keeping us informed from that standpoint. You know, and then looking at it from the legal angle, you know, we've taken a stance to to really, you know, get to know and like attorneys. You know, a lot a lot of folks think the insurance folks don't like the legal folks and whatnot, but you know, you, we can learn a lot from them. 
and we like to be engaged in the claims process where we feel we, we can really learn a lot by paying attention there as well. And then, you know, as far as conveying that to our clients, we're, we want to be hands-on. You know, obviously during the COVID era, that's become a challenge. So we're using technology to, to push that data out as much as possible. But we also want to have those face-to-face meetings and, and educate our clients as to where those potential pitfalls may come and, and how, we can, how we can help to satisfy those. So within kind of going back to something Matt mentioned before about builder's risk and when somebody's financing a home, bank always asks, you know, we need evidence of the builder's risk. And we find that some builders, it's underneath their policy and then other ones, they put it onto the customer to go obtain that builder's risk policy. Is there a difference for that or is it just simply cost and its size of company that's carrying it? Or is it coverage that could be different if it's somebody's personal personally going to obtain that builder's risk first falling underneath the builder's builder's risk policy? Is there a difference or is it just who's paying for it? Loaded question. The answer is both. If you're looking at at a, a new build and you know carrier to carrier, that policy can be the exact same policy with the builder's name as the named insured or the property owner's name as the named insured. There are also scenarios where you know looking at at a large scale project it may be more advantageous depending on what kind of risk the builder and or the homeowner is willing to take on from a wind scenario. If we're talking about coastal properties, you know, whether or not there's any, any sort of feelings of self-insurance property owners, but by and large, the simple answer is, is that it should really not matter whose name is on it, but there's a lot of nuances to that. So there's a lot of talk loaded question. You know, Ian likes to ask those loaded questions, you know, but I keep hearing left and right about how, um, and I don't know if it's COVID or, you know, just the world the past few years, but carriers getting a lot more particular and dropping people because of different items, right? Do you foresee or, or does it happen often where a lot of your builders and specifically custom builders and remodelers are getting dropped from their carriers because of little things that are going on. Is that something that you guys are having to constantly stay on top of or? We really haven't seen that from a liability standpoint. Now, all over the news, all over the papers is the property insurance phenomenon, which is plaguing the the real estate markets on older homes and things along those lines. But as it pertains to the construction industry, you know, your local builders, your custom home builders, we're not seeing a lot of that. Truly, you know, the carriers are are positioned now to absorb and defend you know, a fair number of these construction defect claims, which is primarily where we're seeing these claims. And and prior to five six years ago, and we along with others in the industry were guilty of saying, I, I don't know that I've seen a general liability claim filed on a residential home builder, simply because there really wasn't there wasn't you know this mass issue, you know, outside of you know, previously there was a, you know, the stent of Chinese drywall, which, which posed a problem there for a while, but, you know, nowhere near to the extent of what, what the stucco slash construction defect cottage industry of what it's become is, has done to the industry currently. But again, you know, we're not seeing a lot of non-renewals or cancellations at this point and, you know, prayerfully it stays that way. Is there any other major things like stucco that you guys are dealing with? Not right now. And but there will be, you know, I mean, and that's, you know, it's, it's, it's always going to be something. And so I think, you know, in talking with, with some of our clients, it's, 
it's we're dealing with the stucco thing today. How do we protect ourselves and do it better and protect ourselves such that when the next thing comes along that that we are able to to manage that with the experience of what we've dealt with under stucco. So I think, you know, the stucco scenario is depends on who you talk to. I personally don't think it's going away anytime soon, but there's always the potential of it being another topic, another product, another another issue down the road. And I think it's how do we protect ourselves today for tomorrow? So talking about construction defect and talking about that length of time, 10 years, I want to know what's the most absurd. There's a lot of bad actors out there. You said there's an industry of people who are bad actors coming after folks for their insurance policy. What's the most absurd construction defect that you've personally had to deal with somebody making a claim on that was just wacko? I think the worst one we've seen was a claim filed. It was a stucco claim and it was filed on the 364th day of the ninth year. And so, I mean, truly getting it in under the wire. Time stamped it. Time stamped it. And, you know, and for a while we were seeing most of them in that ninth year and it's starting to kind of creep up a little bit, you know, looking at it statistically, but that's probably the quote unquote craziest. I mean, insurance industry is, is a real wild business. So you gotta, you know, that's about as crazy as we get. It's wild and crazy out there. Wild and crazy out there. But I'm sure you have a lot of kind of like success stories too, you know, like what's something that comes to mind when, you know, obviously this is a very fulfilling role, you know, you wouldn't be doing it and your whole family involved in it. If you guys didn't feel that way, you know, when, when you think back on some of your most favorite projects or favorite clients, you know, maybe share a little bit of insight on those. I think the most rewarding part is, is, you know, in our industry, it's not an, if you have a claim, it's when you have a claim. And I think the most rewarding piece is just, is knowing that, that the efforts that you put in to protect someone is allowing them to continue to move forward in their lives and in their business and let the insurance company do what the insurance company is meant to do. And, and I think, you know, looking at it is, is the ability to help people. All too often, you know, the insurance guys get a bad name for, you know, we come in with high prices and all of this, that, and the other. But, you know, really and truly, the, the most rewarding part is, is being able to help people and knowing that when something goes wrong, there's, there's a backstop. I was going to say, I would imagine, you know, with a lot of these small business owners, that's probably one of the things that keeps them up at night is, am I properly insured or how could something happen to take this away from me and, and, and lose sleep over that? So given that help, given that assurance, uh, I think it's incredibly valuable. I think it's, it, it really is. I mean, and, and we build relationships. You get to know these people on a personal level. You know, our clients are, they're our lifeblood. You know, obviously we need the insurance companies to facilitate that. But our lifeblood are our clients. And so when you sit down and, and you know, you have the conversation of, hey, we had an auto accident or, hey, we have, we've, we've got a lawsuit on our hands and we've done our due diligence and prepared such that, you know, hey, let's send it to the insurance company and let the insurance company do what they need to do. It is. It's, that's the point where you really feel like you've, you've helped someone. So Brian, I assume you guys participate in some of the insurance audits with builders. The builders obviously have all the insurance certificates and we ask our trades to list us as additional insured on those certificates. Can you kind of talk to that a little bit on how important that is? Yes. Exceptionally important. You guys are throwing me the, the good curveballs today. I'm laughing. I can't help it because <laughs> this is a question that I had told uh, Brian during the panel that you know us as a vendor, we get asked all the time to be listed as an additional insured. And then Brian dropped knowledge on me that scared me to pieces. 
But go ahead, take it away, Brian. Uh, oh, <laughs> Educate everybody. Well, yes, you should be getting the additional insured wording on those certificates. You know, the the one caveat there is it's typically by written contract. So without the written trade agreement, that additional insured endorsement really is is not going to mean much. But bringing all of the the trades in into the fold will allow uh, the claim scenario to go much smoother. While there is an expense, it goes back to that checks and balances of, of everyone making sure that those policies are written correctly and everyone's protected all the way up from top to bottom. So as a vendor, that was the big thing you had said to me was making sure it says that by written contract Correct. and not just having additional insured for all of the building companies and subdivisions and Entire everything neighborhoods. Else. Oh my goodness, I know. But no, it was very insightful. I mean, to understand that because sometimes you just, you want to work with a builder, you want to, you know, work with these different partners. And so they ask you for something and you just go and, and get it for them and you don't understand the ins and outs of what it really means. So. Right. Brian, I have to ask. So if you're out shopping, you go to a, a computer store, you buy a laptop, you're checking out and they say, Hey, do you want to buy this? three-year policy to protect you from X, Y, and Z. Do you buy it? Oh, man. What a hard <laughs> question. Not if you buy it at Costco. They throw an extra well, year on there. I was going to say, if they throw an extra year in. I mean, you know, I am I am exceptionally cautious. So me personally, I buy it. You buy it. I bought it. Yeah, yeah I'm, uh, I'm the guy that insures the computer. Quick story, we did have one that in the office that, thank God it had the insurance as a cup of coffee went spilling over the top of it uh, very shortly after it, it was uh, purchased. So. I mean, you're the insurance guy. You have to buy the insurance. It's like the, it's a, I walk around like, what was that movie? Uh, Along Came Polly with Ruben Pfeffer. I, I, I fear that I'm him. You know, <laughs> I fear that. I hope you have a database like that. I just want something like that. Risk factor. Yeah. So you, you pay for the phone insurance on your phone? Uh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. <laughs> without a doubt. Without a doubt. Well, Brian, I, thank you so much for being on the podcast. You've been a great guest. I failed to mention at the beginning, and I think you mentioned it during your conversation. You, or Jen mentioned it, the president of Insure America, correct? And that's a correct. local Local Jacksonville company? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. And how long have you been in business with Insure America? Insure America has been in business all in about 55 years here in gotcha. Jacksonville. Yeah. Awesome. And if people want to get in touch with you, how do they get in touch with you? Because you have more knowledge than we could cram into our 30 minutes here. So how can people get in touch with you? What's the best way? Best way is either you know shoot me an email, B-R-E-G-I-S-T-E-R at I-N-S-U-R-A-M-E-R-I-C-A com or give me a call, 904-332-8585. Your inbox is going to be loaded. Oh, now. my goodness. Or worldwide. <laughs> You're going to need an assistant. Worldwide. Hey, I hope so. I'd, I'd love the opportunities. Love the opportunities to help out. And also, thank you for being an FPA member and uh, being an active participant and helping out the Custom Builder Remodeling Council on our brew chat and uh, just being there as a resource for those involved in the custom building remodeling space. Well, thank you guys for having me. I really, this was a ton of fun. Yeah, awesome. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Punchlist podcast. If you like what you heard today, make sure to hit the subscribe button and also follow us on Instagram at the Punchlist podcast.